podcast where we talk about comics. Yeah, we're not experts on comics, but we do like comics. Yeah, and we like to hear ourselves talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot sometimes. <laughs> um, but mostly we're here to explore themes in comics and, you know, and try and critically engage with them. So we hope you have fun. Oh. Hello. And welcome back to the third and final episode of Double A Podcasting. And today we have a very special guest. Quite knowledgeable, once some would say. Uh, Roger, have you care to introduce yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I am Roger Woodson. Uh, I am a professor here at Washington State University, uh, and I teach the comics class uh, that I guess birthed this podcast. Yeah. Nice yeah. to know. So today we are going to be talking about Bitch Planet, which is our first diversion from uh, an assigned comic in the course. Like, this comic is really curious. Like, it does really interesting things with color. Mm-hmm. I think subject matter is really interesting. And, you know, um, the others really have played a role in that because one of them has worked on um, Captain Marvel, which is sort of up and coming. Right. It's like, um, in the modern headspace, she's one of the most important new superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, feminist icon in some sorts, I guess. But. Kind of opposing to the other comics that we've talked about, it's one of the only ones that that features and highlights femininity mm-hmm. in, like, a critical way, of yeah. course. But um, majority of the characters or the characters that we care about and we enjoy are women. They're strong women. Um, and that might have something to do with our... Uh, our author, Kelly Sue DeConnick, um, who, as you talked about, she worked on yeah. Captain Marvel, um, Aquaman, the special issue of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Aliens, Predator, uh, and a couple issues of Avengers Assemble. And she was also in the She Makes Comics documentary yeah. that, we, that we looked at in class. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. It has a pretty substantial social media pre- uh, prevalence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's interesting, I think, because both because Captain Marvel, um, one of the things she did with Captain Marvel that I think is really fascinating is that that character was around for since the 70s and, in fact, was a feminist icon named Ms. Marvel. She was kind of a derivative of another Captain Marvel character. Um, but she had, like, gotten this costume that was, like, basically like a swimsuit, basically. And um. DeConnick really came in and gave her the kind of jacket, like, practical outfit mm-hmm. that she ended up with, and that is sort of featured in the film, and uh, and um, really started kind of a, a whole movement of uh, female characters, particularly in Marvel. Spider-Woman's one of them. Well, on DC, Bat- Batgirl's another one, mm-hmm. who had their costumes redesigned so that they're more practical and less sexy. So... She's kind of a, a trailblazer in that sense in that comic. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. That's that. sick. That's really cool. Yeah. I didn't know she had roots back to the seventies. Yeah, uh, Ms. Marvel did. Yeah, the character. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Deconic is is more is newer as a as a creator. Mm. And Roger, we were talking earlier about one of the other um, really important people to this comic, Valentin Delandro, and mm. you were talking about um, Spider Man loves Mary Jane. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had I had not re- and I, I had not known that actually he did the illustration to that. I I actually am more aware of writers now than artists, which is odd. But um, yeah, like it, it was a comic I was really into, probably in the early aughts, and it has like three different limited 
runs, and it features Mary Jane as the central character um, in, in a kind of high school uh, drama, romance drama, where Spider-Man is actually not the main character, but kind of a side character mm. who kind mm. of appears ever so often. You know, it, it shows kind of, even in the aughts, they were kind of experimenting with how to get more women to read comics. That's mm. always been kind of a problem in superhero comics. Mm. Um, and I think you see two different approaches. One, probably more, like I think DeConnix is probably more uh, successful than Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Mm. Um, because it actually shows women in a powerful role. Like, And I think um, you see that also in Bitch Planet, too. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give also a shout out. Uh, there's actually a, another comic series that Kelly Sue DeConnick's husband is Matt Fraction, and I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a sort mm. of he's done several different sort of superhero comics. Um, he's probably best known in superhero comics for he did a lot of the X Men. Um, I think he did a run on Daredevil, but um, he also has this comic called Sex Criminals, which is this really fascinating comic that he does with Chip Zdarsky. About these two, about this couple that learn that every time they they um, orgasm, they stop time, um, and it starts <laughs> out as this kind of stupid like 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 crime caper, but then it evolves into like a very real and very uh, serious discussion of what sexuality is. So they actually mm-hmm. have in Sex Criminals an an, an issue uh, based upon uh, an asexual character um, in one of the issues and des- describing what desire means to this character and like how they mm-hmm. live them, their lives and what it means to be asexual. And it was it was actually, when it came out, a really groundbreaking issue in terms of that issue. Oh, that, that's that awesome. Topic. Yeah. And that, that kind of bleeds into um, the sort of, like, quasi-legal issues that are being put forward in this, mm-hmm. in this comic, like the, the legality of being a female, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think is super relevant right now. With, like, policing of women's bodies, um, women's actions, women's thoughts. So, in this world, we've got, um, it's like a hyper, sort of blown up patriarchal society. Yeah, they've got people called the fathers, Mm -hmm. and women can be sent off to a planet off-world for pretty much any reason. Yes. We've got a couple, we are going to be talking about issues one through three today. Um, a spoiler warning, if you haven't read those, um, yes. you can find them online. Uh, probably. We should just probably <laughs> cut and paste like a yeah. spoiler, <laughs> warning spoiler warning at the beginning of each of these. But yeah, they can... Um, overall, it's under this umbrella of insubordination, um, which could be aesthetic offenses, capillary disfigurement, which I wasn't quite sure. Does that mean like a tattoo? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because when you right, like when you get a tattoo, you're you're hurting the blood vessels. Yeah, so you're like it bleeds permanently altering it. Yeah. Um, seduction and disappointment was <laughs> right. Right. Well, and because in the Which, opening, the opening scene, one of the women that is jailed and then later dies oh, is yes. because it's because her husband cheats on her, and she uh, has to then carry the burden um, of him cheating. Yeah, which is really an interesting. Um, it is, it is the patriarchy all the way up where responsibility can always be deferred onto women yes. um, for things and men are sort of like freed off. I thought it was interesting too that in one scene, 
um, when you have the character that really likes to fight, Penny Rolls, yeah. um, and they use her as like this body image character, um, but she's just a badass all throughout. Oh. Like she's beating people up, and she's one of the few characters that's like she's like very comfortable with who she is. And even though um, at one point, I think it's in the third issue, she mm-hmm. gets um, these things, electrodes attached to her head, and they try and figure out why she's so comfortable with herself, how she sees herself. And I always thought that that was very interesting. You know, that, like, almost Snow White idea of looking into the mirror and trying to see, like, what you would think of as ideal beauty. Yeah. And she just sees herself, but she's laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that scares them. Yes. Yeah, Uh, so it's really interesting that uh, what y'all have sort of already talked about in terms of this. Um, I was was fascinated by... um, yeah, I think when you you mentioned what was it, uh, seduction and what seduction and I think it was seduction and disappointment. Okay, so another way that I can think of reading that is like a woman just saying no. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Um, and disappointing a man, um, which is kind of horrible when you think about it. Right. Yeah. It really is just whatever a a cis white heterosexual man would find offensive or Mm. disappointing like Mm. anything along those lines or free game um, which kind of it hyperbolizes heavily and kind of opens up to like this interesting fantasy world that they they made I think I mean it's it's very much satire in some ways right yeah for sure and in all the best satires it's kind of uh, exaggerate um, things that are real yeah that are already there yeah Um, I, I had, and I don't know if y'all have seen or read The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I found some interesting parallels um, yeah. mm-hmm. to, to those two show, films. But I think uh, there's two, the show and, the, and the, the novel on the one hand and the comic on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's interesting. I think that um, thinking about that show and how theocratic it is versus this is is this really about religion? There's kind of a mockery of religion at most with the character, that kind of weird uh, nun character that's... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, the and the Catholic. And, like, yeah. uh, and, and is dressed scantily, but is also a nun, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even pick up on... Because they downplay religion so much, like, they have all that iconography, but they never... It's not part of the story, really. Yeah. Which maybe is why, or one of the factors why Handmaid's Tale is so much more serious. Mm. Or, I don't want to say impactful, Mm. but maybe because this is so satirical and it kind of picks fun at, like, that Catholic imagery and makes it Mm -hmm. over-sexual. Yeah. I mean, it's very much in the kind of, in some ways, in the genre of the exploitation film, right? Which Mm. is a 70s genre that very much is about sort of parading sexuality around. Mm -hmm. And uh, in some ways that are extremely problematic. And so DeConnick, in a lot of interviews, has said, like, you know, I really love exploitation films when I was a kid, but I always felt a little, like, guilty for watching them. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't know if you've seen exploitation or black exploitation films. Like I have, um, but there are some elements like sh- like Shaft is a ex- black exploitation oh, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an interesting. Those two are interesting genres because on the one hand there there are some like like critiques of the social order. So for instance, black exploitation films will often have 
a sort of white police officer that is the villain. Mm. Um, on the other hand, uh, there are, there's a lot of sort of like really messed up kind of depictions of female sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be a lot of racism in exploitation. Um, and so DeConnick sort of famously said, I really love these, but I wanted to sort of rehabilitate the genre and to make it do something mm-hmm. um, that it didn't used to do, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I'd say successfully. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a really cool... I think there's a lot of things because, like, the art style in Bitch Planet is, like, this poppy, bright. It is, like, it does make me think of, like, an 80s um, action movie, almost. Yeah. Like, it's the kind of thing where you'll have um, dialogue going on between two characters in the front, and then, like, Penny will be fighting a bunch of guards in the background. <laughs> so you have, like, this um, violent comedy kind yeah. of running. Um, and that is really curious. It is, it's cool... I didn't know much about the context of the black exploitation mm. or exploitation films, but I can definitely see it because it is like tonally a different time period almost. It almost reminds me of like I don't know if I know the vocabulary for this, but like fifties retro like romance mm. comics with like the pixelated background yeah. and yeah. the super bright pop art kind yeah. of color. The uh, covers too are interesting because they do seem like they were like they're torn and or they're 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 wrinkled in weird ways mm. that kind of suggest that they're older. Oh, yeah. Um, Which, even though it's kind of futuristic, could suggest, like, a timeless aspect to it. Yeah. Like, maybe it's not hundred-something years in the future, right. but... Yeah, for sure. And, and it is exactly... There's little scratches on the front. There's all these different... It almost looks like a comic that sat in somebody's attic mm. or been as part of a collection. A yeah. Yeah, we want to make sure we get um, a thank you. Um we really appreciate you coming oh, on and helping absolutely. us and talking to us. Yeah. It was really cool. Thanks for having me in. Yeah, it was yeah. good for because we've had people on that aren't don't know anything about comics and <laughs> right, we are right. not. It's a different discourse. It is, and it really, I think it speaks a lot to the class that you're teaching that you can look at and you can reference all of these different elements. You can connect them to pop culture. Mm-hmm. You can bring them in sort of a larger social context. I think the class is really worthwhile. It does bring all those contexts. And well, it I appreciate it. Um, no, I think it's, you know, I've read comics all my life and so it's kind of just like anything that you've participated in, like romance novels or anything. It just mm-hmm. happens to meet my gel but I've always thought and I think every genre is like this that they all sort of express um, all of the tensions within a culture and like mm-hmm. um, some of them are more overtly activists like Bitch Planet but like even in some of the sort of even if you go back to like old school Superman comics um, there's definitely ways that you can read those comics uh, for issues of gender and uh, class and race um, not not always in the best ways so famously Superman sort of defends Japanese internment camps, which is kind of mm. really messed yeah. up. However, you can kind of see in that kind of where the culture was at the time, and yeah, um, it's not always a, a, a pretty picture that you see. So, yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Roger. Thanks so much. Thanks.